Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 18th of November, 2023, as the Flyers get set this afternoon. One o'clock game at Wells Fargo Center. They're going to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. They're looking to exact a little more revenge. Game four of the revenge series, as I've termed it. Uh, Game one, they beat Anaheim. Revenge that 7-4 loss at Wells Fargo Center with a 6-3 win. Game two was against the LA Kings. They avenged that 5-0 loss at Wells Fargo Center with a 4-2 win on the road. And then they avenged the 3-2 loss against Carolina. Uh, with a 3-1 win in Carolina uh, just the other day. So today, it'll be the Flyers and the Cup champs, the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas right now, boy, they're just having such a good season coming off that Stanley Cup Finals win. And right now, through the uh, 17 games that they've played, they've got a record of 13-3 and won 27 points. They are 6-3 and won their last 10. They're plus 24 in goal differential. 27 points, that got probably leads the NHL, I would assume. Yes, it does. They're one point ahead of the Bruins uh, for the best record or most points in the NHL. Flyers come into the game having played 16 games. They've got a record of 8-7-1, 17 points on the year, 5-5 five and five in their last 10, won their last three, three I just mentioned, plus four in goal differential. They are tied for the fourth spot in the Metropolitan Division with the New Jersey Devils. Devils have played one less game. One point back of Carolina and Washington, and the Rangers lead the division with 23 points. We'll see the Rangers actually coming up here we have you know it's weird i was you know you heard the interview the other day with carter hart um from practice and he had mentioned that we got some division games coming up we haven't played many division games since that point this was before the carolina game they'd only played carolina and columbus were the only two teams from the metropolitan division the columbus was all the way back on opening night then carolina prior to that was october 30th and then obviously the game just the other day where they played carolina but after Vegas, you get Columbus on Sunday at Wells Fargo Center, 530. Then it's a bunch of – it's all. The remainder of the month is going to be all teams in the Metro. So Columbus, the Islanders, Rangers, Islanders, Carolina, New Jersey. Then you're going to start out the month of December with Pittsburgh in a back-to-back. You got Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh on the 2nd of December, and then Pittsburgh in Philadelphia on Monday, December 4th. And the Flyers go on the road, and we'll see some Western Conference teams. But there's right. There haven't been a lot of games or matchups against the division for the Flyers. Flyers have actually been better on the road so far this year. they got a record of 5-3-1 and one in their nine road games. And in their seven home games, they have a record of 3-4. and four. And when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, Flyers lost in Vegas earlier this year at home. They're 8-1-1. One one, but uh, on the road, not as good, but still pretty good. A record of 5-2. and two. For Vegas. So what have these two teams done since they last met? And they last met on October 24th. That was that game uh, in Vegas. Each team's played 10 games since they last met. Vegas has a record of 6-3-1 and one in those 10 games. So they have, what, 12, 13 points in the 10 games. Uh, they've scored 36 goals. They've allowed 27 goals. Uh, the 13 points, they've generated 322 shots and they've given up 310 shots they've also gone eight for 33 on the power play they've scored eight power play goals on 33 power play attempts how do the flyers stack up against that well in their 10 games since five and five so they've gotten 10 standings points uh over that period i said vegas had 36 goals the flyers have had 33 goals over that 10 games so 3.3 goals per game Flyers have allowed 31, Vegas allowed 27. So Flyers led 3.1 goals per game. Vegas has allowed 
2.7. Flyers have generated 301 shots over those 10 games to Vegas' 322. And the Flyers have allowed 278 to 200 or 310 that Vegas has allowed. So the Flyers have done a considerably better job uh, keeping the opposition shot total down. Uh, Here's the big difference. Huge difference. I'm not comparing these two teams, you know, as in are they equal in any way, shape, or form. Vegas is the cup champ. They're off to a great start. Vegas, eight power play goals on 33 attempts. Flyers, three power play goals on 33%, on 33 attempts. Obviously, I'm no math major, but that's 11%. Way low. Power play has got to get worked out for this Flyers team. I'm not asking it to be, you know, the clicking at, 28% 28% or 26%, something like that, just much better than it is because it's single digits right now. And that's been a huge issue for the Flyers. So Flyers in Vegas today, and then tomorrow will be Flyers and the Columbus Blue Jackets at Wells Fargo Center. Um, in this episode, though, now that we've previewed the game that's coming up today, John Tortorella met with the media yesterday, and I've taken – I took that that press conference – and taking some really key parts out. And I kind of wanted to go through them on this week or on this episode. So we're going to kind of play some torts. We're going to talk about what he said, play some more torts, talk about what he said, and kind of go through this as well. One of the big points of conversation, obviously, on this podcast, on social media, at the bar, the local tavern, at the water cooler, whatever, has been about the rebuild. You know, Flyers with that record of 8-7-1 and one through the first 16 games, you know, has some people freaking out about the rebuild that it's going to just get pushed aside and it's not going to be rebuilt properly, all those different things. And John Tortorella was asked a very interesting question uh, by Kevin Kurz, who covers the Flyers from The Athletic. So we're going to start there and we're going to kind of play some torts and talk about some of the things that Tort says. So here's Kevin Kurz from The Athletic asking, kind of getting things started with head coach John Tortorella. Is a good team, obviously. Right? Yeah. So when you're a younger player on a team that can go in knowing you're going to be able to match up against a team like Vegas and compete hard, yeah. why is that important maybe for the younger players, both in their mindset and just as they get their feet wet in the league here? Yeah, well, you know, that, that, that's a – I'll answer it this way. We, we have stated we're rebuilding, right? Um, I think when you state that – People think that, all right, we're just going to pour all the young players in there. And there, there is, when you're dealing with young players and you're dealing in where we are in the landscape of this team, there is still a priority to teach young players how to win and what's expected to help us win. Um, so develop, So you have developing versus winning. That's something we're going to juggle all year long. Don't think we're going to forget about winning because that, that's you're not teaching your young players the right way to play if you're not trying to win. You're not teaching your young players that nothing's for free. You still have to kick in. You still have to be ready to play. Um, make your mistakes as they all do, but there is still – Young players versus winning, older team, uh, older guys on the team. You're in a game, uh, very similar in Carolina. I said Z in Carolina. 
because I think he made a couple of huge mistakes that could be game-changing. I got to worry about the group, too, as far as trying to win that game. I think it goes hand-in-hand in, hand in development. Trying to win goes hand-in-hand in, hand in developing players. And does that answer your question? Yeah, just, you know, obviously there's, I'm not going to name teams around the league, but there's obviously other teams that are not doing as well as 8-7-1 and one that have yeah. younger players that yeah. are not, you know, they go into a game against Vegas thinking, well, yeah. we're probably not going to win this game. Or yeah. you have younger guys that have shown already this season you can go up against some of these top teams and, and you're part of a competitive group. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the organizational philosophy are of those teams. Uh, but I will, I, I, we go into each and every game and we talk about that we are competitive enough to, to win this hockey game. Um, it, it, sometimes it just doesn't come down to age and youth in the team. There are other ways of staying competitive. Uh, we just break this game down simple as far as work habits. And uh, so yeah, we are, um, we're not losing sight of that. Uh, at least with this coaching staff, we'll never lose sight of that we also want to win a game, and you know, I, 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 I get mail, and, I, and it's, it's mind-boggling that. And we talked about it last year. I'll say it again: stop sending me letters about tanking, uh, because it's not going to happen. And this is, and I know people want that high draft pick, and you know, next year in the draft, and they, they, you're not winning the Stanley Cup, so just lose the games. It's not going to happen. It's so wrong. And it's the worst way you can develop your young players. So I, I hope that's answering your question. All right, let's stop it there. Oh, man, there's so much there that I want to talk about. This, you know, I am a firm believer that accepting losing, I've said this on the pod for years, accepting losing at any level of your organization, whether that's players, coaches, management, ownership, scouts, custodial staff, I don't care. Accepting losing in sports is, it's the wrong way to go. I think it's, it's ridiculous. Accepting it and being fine with it, it's just something you can, it makes you a loser, in my opinion. If you accept losing, look, I understand that in sports, Sometimes you got to lose to win. And I, I get the whole notion of, you know, the more you lose, the better the draft pick. I get it. In the NHL, though, there is a lottery system. The team with the worst record is not guaranteed the top pick in the draft. Matter of fact, that only hits about 60% of the time, as we've kind of gone through over previous episodes on this show. Not to mention... Like this whole notion that you can't get a good player unless you're picking in the top three. And this season will be the failure for the Flyers if they're not picking in the top three. Because they need that one stud defenseman that they'll get there. Sometimes the stud defenseman's not taken there like Charlie McAvoy, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode. It was taken 14th. Like you can get good players not in the top three. Do you have more? the odds better probably because you're picking before other teams. I get it. But developing versus winning was something that Torts mentioned there. And if you're accepting losing, then you're developing your players in a way to me that accepts losing. And to me, these impressionable early years of a player, 
when you're trying to develop them as professionals, you're telling them that losing is okay. Like you just can't wash that off the young player. You don't just grab, hey, get a shower, now wash that stink of accepting losing off. It just doesn't work that way for me. So I thought it was a really good question from Kevin Kurz. And Torch was in one of those moods yesterday where he was willing to dig into it and give a good explanation. Now, my opinion on this isn't because Torch is the Flyers coach. I work for the team, and I've been talking about this opinion for years, way before John Tortorella was a coach. I remember talking about this when Dave Hackstall was the coach. And then even after that, with Elaine Vigno, when the things started to go sideways there, and Mike Yo, and now into John Tortorella. It's just my opinion on the way, like, for example, I was doing the daily radio show when the Sixers were doing the process. And I thought the process was the most egregious thing a sports team could do. Because they at first kind of convinced their fan base, okay, we'll do this for a year, we'll get a high draft pick. But then they just kept doing it for four years. I think I think about that and I go, well, four years, is that a lot? Well, when you're 50 years old, four years isn't that much. doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But think about like the young fans. And th- I, I kind of equated it to this. I go, okay, imagine if when I was a freshman in high school to when I graduated, one of the four major sports teams in this town tried to be hideously bad. What would that have done for my fandom? If the Sixers would have done that when I was in high school, basically from what, 88 to 91, 87, 88 to, to 91, I, I, they'd be dead to me for my, the rest of my life. I think it's a hideous way to try and do things. So let's play some more torts here. Here we go. Uh, John Tortorella from yesterday meeting with the media. When do you mail through the like, stamps now or emails? Oh, no, no, I don't get emails. But I get ma- – my, my mail is – it's the highlight of the day for me. And, um, I, I, read, I do. I read all my mail because I am not going to miss a young kid's letter. Um, uh, an autograph or a letter back to him. I will not miss a young, so I read it all, and it's astonishing. Um, some of the thoughts I get. Absolutely, you 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 go nowhere in this league until you get your. I don't use the word culture. I think it's just a. It, it's a standard. It's a standard of how you carry yourself. It's a standard how you play. Uh, it, it's a standard how you walk into the building on a work day. It's so important. If if your if your players have a mindset, we're not going to win. You know, it's we're rebuilding, and uh, you know, we'll be okay a number of years down the road. And we feel that way. We're going to get better. I don't think our reckoning's coming for a couple more years. I'm, don't get me wrong. We still have a lot of work to do and a lot of pain to go through, but we're certainly not going to just give in and say, okay, let's get that high pick. I I. I I know the people above me, and I know my coaching staff and the players absolutely, totally disagree with that. So there you go. Flyers head coach, John Tortorella. Uh, some of the things he said to the media yesterday. Now, why did I play that? I played that because I got this DM yesterday from Andy. I'll leave Andy's last name out of it. A- Andy DMs me all the time. He's a good hockey guy, closer to my age. Uh, you know, not old, but not young. Seen a lot of hockey. Understands the game. Understands the the sport and the way it operates. And he sent me this DM yesterday out of the blue at 3.38 p.m. He said, um, first and foremost, 
he said uh, the other day, he said bad message to bench Samuli. You can't say in the pressers, young guys will make mistakes, then bench him when they do. Mixed messages, what do you think? I said, I think he wanted his boys to win the game. I think that uh, the Canes are a tough team for Z because of how fast they play. They attack, attack, attack. And that does not play into Z's, Zamula's strengths yet. He may get there, but not at the moment. And he said, okay, agreed. And then he sent me yesterday, he sent me this. He said, I think the way that Torts is handling Brink is ridiculous and don't agree with his assessment of Brink's game. Brink was scoring, Forster wasn't. Time to switch them out and let Tyson watch. He said, I like Torts as a human, but he's the wrong coach for this team at this time. Once Meechkoff and Gauthier and hopefully a number one D-man are established, then you hire a Torts type guy to get them over the hump, in my opinion. He said, I'm sure you will disagree. And I said, look, I don't like that Brink is not in as well. I don't. I agree with him on that. It'll be three games now for Brink. And I actually do agree. I think Tyson should be the guy that should come out for him. I don't know if Brink is dealing with any kind of injury or if he's hit a wall because he only played, you know, a, a very limited schedule last year. I don't know. So I don't know that. I always consider it, but I don't know. Um, but I said, as far as Torts not being the right coach at this time, I do disagree with Andy, the guy who sent me the note. I said, Torts sets a standard of accountability for young players and veterans, and it's one they absolutely must have in any stage of a rebuild. Torts has played on, uh, plus Torts has played on numerous occasions, 10 players, 24 and under. So this notion that he's not playing kids because he's not playing Brink is just, it's ridiculous. And again, I want to see Brink in there. I think Brink should come in for Forster. I said, Torts has developed young players at every stop in his career. Go back and look at every stop in his career. You look at from Martin St. Louis to Zach Warinsky in Columbus. And I said, and you cannot minimize the steps players like Travis Sanheim and Travis Konechny have made as a result of ultimate accountability. I said he is the right coach for now. I think he's the right coach for now. We'll see if he's the right coach for when they're a legit playoff team or a contender on an, on an ascension. But I think he's the right coach for now because of absolute accountability. And he said, I agree, Andy's response. I just think sometimes he talks out of both sides of his mouth, but probably most coaches do. That would make more sense regarding Brink. Of course, coaches always, again, I always say, don't listen to what a coach says about a player. Look at, listen to how a coach uses a player. But, and I said to him, every coach does that. Don't let the micro handling of a single player infect the overall process he is putting through. Look, here's the deal. And I said this to Andy. Seeing a player like Brink that we get excited about, not playing all of a sudden, emits a negative emotion. It does. It kind of pisses you off. You're like, wait a minute, I'm getting excited about this guy. Now he's not in the lineup for three games? What the hell's going on? Like, I, I get it. It emits a negative reaction and an emotion. Now, my job, and believe me, it's not easy sometimes for this element of it, is to remove that emotion, question the things and, you know, why the why is the player not in there? Think about it from all angles. Is he hitting a wall? Do you need to get the player out of there because you see where things are going and you don't want them to go all the way to an area where now the player looks overmatched? 
and then he starts questioning himself. You'd be better off to get him out of the game, let him see a few from upstairs, and then get him back in before you have him beaten all the way down to a pulp in the greatest league in the world. My job is to remove those emotions, talk to some people, decision makers and people around the game, and develop my own opinion on it. But it's hard to remove emotion and not let it totally infect your mindset on everything. This is the micro-handling of Robbie Brink. My 30,000 view is I don't like that he's not in the lineup. The team is one, so it's harder to get him back in. I understand that. But I do see a player in Tyson Forster who's done all the little things right. Hasn't been a net negative player despite the fact that he hasn't scored a goal. But Bobby Brink was doing pretty much everything right. He did start to look a little overwhelmed and like the game caught up to him. But, I mean, is it one of those things where I've watched Tyson Forster say, I can't take him out? No, I'd like to get him back in. But unfortunately, the team probably needs to lose or you get an injury to get him back in. Because when things are going well and you're on a three-game road winning streak against Anaheim, L.A., and Carolina, you're probably not going to break up that group. Anyway, that's where I am on it. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that. These conversations have been cathartic. I know that much. Uh, Flyers Vegas today at 1 o'clock at Wells Fargo Center. We'll break it down tomorrow, and we'll preview how about Flyers Carolina, or not Flyers Carolina, Flyers Columbus coming up tomorrow. Everybody, enjoy your hockey this afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.